You know what that means? That means it's coffee talk time. And today our guest is Brian Passifume, uh, parliamentary bureau reporter for the National Post. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I would love to hear some of your thoughts about um, this story around uh, Bill C-18. You're a journalist. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about uh, what, you know, Meta and Google are saying? Well, it's 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 kind of interesting you brought it up, and it's kind of interesting for me because I, I was one of those uh, one of those Canadians that Google had, uh, I guess, randomly chose to deny news access oh, for a little bit. And yeah, the journalist. Yes, yes, it's uh, it sucked. <laughs> it's it's uh, you know it's part of your it's part of my job. You know, yeah. a lot of it uh, has to do with uh, you know searching alt news articles that uh, either myself or other people had written, and uh, yeah, that's. Uh, you know, the best way to do that is just to search websites through Google. And unfortunately, that's been uh, impossible for the past uh, few weeks. I've been having to go through incognito mode and, and then that changed. And I just started using DuckDuckGo and other uh, wow. browsers. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I wrote a column on it actually. It's, okay. um, it's, um, it, it, it kind of, it kind of makes Canadians, it should make Canadians kind of consider how many eggs they're keeping in their digital baskets. You know, how many, um, you know, you know how many services they rely on. Like for example, I use like I was, you know, I was right there when when Gmail started up. I've been yep. using Google for years. I've, you know, I've, I have Google accounts and everything else. And yeah, it just kind of uh, kind of sucked being being caught in the middle of it. And I think this is uh, for for me at least, it was kind of a sort of an example of uh, what's going to happen if uh, Google and uh, Meta and Facebook and all them uh, decide to uh, do the nuclear option and uh, just deny Canadians news. Yeah, I mean, as I just find it funny, right? That you know, they, I mean, I know that this is all random, but the fact that you get chosen to have, you know, all of your news is blocked, right? And this is like what uh, you do for for a living. Uh, it's typical, it's of course, typical. right? Yeah, but sorry. it gives it's, it's good it's... fodder fodder for uh, for uh, a column, right? <laughs> but you know, like yeah. as as Meta has said, you know, it looks like it's what three percent of uh links that are actually shared on their platform i don't know if i fully believe that's, that uh, I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna use profanity on the air but yeah that's <laughs> right. that's bs yeah exactly <laughs> that's nonsense. exactly and and so i mean i think this is a valid conversation to have right like it, you know I, I think you're probably the same i mean i don't use facebook as much but you know when i'm scrolling and, and most of my friends are into the news and so i see tons of article links and so forth. And to know that there isn't any compensation to uh, news organizations in this country. Um, and again, you know, I think about Twitter and how many times we're sharing content as well. This is a conversation that needs to happen. And I don't know if Meta and Google continue to stand their ground what does this look like then? What does the future look like for content yeah, the, on social media? Yeah, the problem. The, the problem with this argument, it, it, there, there's no black and white in this argument. Yeah. It's all gray areas. Like it's, it's, you know, you're right. It's, you know, that, uh, you know, that news organizations are, you know, they're, they're strapped for cash these days. Yeah. Advertising isn't there. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it costs more and more to produce a product that gets less and less eyeballs. But at the same time, it's like, you know, as a, as somebody who, who, you know, who likes seeing his uh, articles on the, the top 10 trending emails yep. that uh, the National Post sends out every day. You know, it's it's great having exposure. It's you know how else are our news stories supposed to be uh, shared? But uh, yeah, there's there, there's there's no good answer here. There's no real 
you know, there, there's, there's, there's no black and white solution here. It's, uh, it, it's, it's one of those things where compromises are going to have to be made. And, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you've got the tech giants up against uh, a government who, uh, thinks they're, uh, above reproach. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting, uh, way to see this happens. And I think that, uh, nobody's going to get what they want. And I think there's going to be a lot of disappointment and, uh, yeah, I kind of, uh, Weep for the future, I suppose. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the big wigs at Google's, uh, you know, say to the uh, the committee in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Brian. So you work for the National Post. Um, how did you get into the weird world of journalism? <laughs> I, I I kind of took a kind of a different approach to a lot of my peers. I never went to J school. Okay. I never, you know, I never had any sort of a. Uh, you know, intention to become a, a print journalist. I, I went. To, I went to school for TV. I went to, okay. to Mohawk College in uh, in Hamilton, yeah. Ontario. For, I did three years uh, for broadcast television. I worked uh, worked at various TV stations, doing master control and and all those uh, other grueling beginner jobs that uh, you know that new TV grads do. And uh, I uh, went through a divorce. I uh, went to uh, Taiwan to teach English for a bit. And when I came home. I got a job at a new TV station and I was just kind of like, this is, this is boring. I don't know what I want to do. So <laughs> I, I just remember it was a night shift. Uh, I had just decided for, for some reason I was bored. I started to, you know, sending out resumes to newspapers out, uh, you know, these little weekly newspapers. And I got hired by the Crow's Nest Pass promoter in Crow's Nest Pass, Alberta. That uh, fortunately is no longer there anymore. Um, it was shut down a bunch of years ago, and that kind of uh, started there. I went back to TV a couple of times. I directed the morning show for CTV Regina for a bit. Uh, I still do some freelance directing every now and then. But uh, yeah, my ever since uh, about 2010, 2011 or so, my, uh, yeah, my, my career has been almost exclusively print. Do you miss TV? I mean, I've been in TV for 21 years, just started into radio, uh, and it's very different. So, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that there's extremely big differences between TV and, uh, and print. So do you miss TV? I do. I do. I miss, I miss TV. There's uh you know, there's certain, there's a certain excitement, you know, waiting for the tally light to come on yeah. or sitting in the control room. And like, I was never in front of the camera. I was always behind my, my first TV gig. I was in high school. Uh, uh, cable 10 in Mississauga used to have a, uh, a news show called city magazine. It was a okay. daily live new shows an awesome show there's a you know uh, it's it's amazing to see how many city magazine alumnus are still working in broadcast journalism today but yeah i started there in high school shooting news uh listening to the scanner uh you know grabbing my camera and going out and uh you know 17 years old with a you know with a thirty thousand dollar beta cam on my shoulder <laughs> running across the 403 to shoot a car crash it's uh it's living wow. the dream i guess yeah and uh yeah it just went through that was my aspiration i wanted to be a uh you know, do uh, do ENG news and but kind of life just gets in the way, I suppose. We're going to get into some of the the week's uh, top headlines. But uh, before we do that, I'd love to hear your thoughts about how the world of journalism has changed, how you've seen it evolve since, you know, being at Mohawk to now. It's, 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 it's interesting and troubling to say the least, you know, the sort of the the way that, uh, you know, how people get their news has changed. You know, when I started out and, you know, there was, uh, you know, everybody got a newspaper delivered to their door. 
Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, trusted the news and there wasn't a whole lot of issues of a disinformation, but now it just seems that everybody, there's this level of polarization that really has sort of like sprung up is that people really don't like people aren't interested in facts these days. People want opinions. People want to be spoon fed information that feeds their, their, their inherent biases, inherit their, their, their opinions. And that's all they care about. And that's why they, you know, they're not they're less interested in searching out for trustworthy news sources, but looking for news sources with a slant that kind of they agree with. And, you know, it's, you know, the, the whole trope of people don't read news articles. That's exactly true. People just read headlines. Um, I post my articles on, 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 on Twitter and I, I get tons of people giving me interpretations of what they think the headline means where if they had just taken this, you know, the minute to open up and read the story, they would have found out that uh, their complaints are completely unfounded. But that, uh, that's a session for a different day, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I think we both could, could riff off of that a little bit more and go into yeah, yeah so many so many of the weeds when it comes to uh, how things have evolved. Well, uh, let's start with the story that has consumed many of us for months, the allegations around China's interference in the 2019 and 2021 elections. We now have a rapporteur. David Johnston has been appointed. Uh, but there are those like uh, conservative leader Pierre Polyev that question the PM's choice. And the PM has accused those who have questioned the appointment of allowing partisanship to take over. Is that fair, you think, Brian? It's I, I think that um, whoever was chosen, I think, was going to be uh, is, is, is kind of doomed from the start to be, mm. you know, it's it's hard to find anybody of that stature in, in this city without some sort of a tie to either the, the, the PMO or, or, or the prime minister or somebody else in, in, in office. Like you think of any, any of the possibilities that could have been uh, you know, when you're looking at former governor generals or or former Supreme Court justices like Beverly, Beverly McLaughlin or, or something like that. You know, people would have uh, come up with, uh, you know, reasons to uh, to 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 not, you know, not agree with them. But the thing is, and, and, and I think Polyev is dead on dead on the money when he says, you know, the, the whole special rapporteur thing is more of just a, a way for the, the liberals to get some breathing room. Really, there needs to be an inquiry into this. And I think that uh, anything less than an inquiry is is going to uh, raise far too many eyebrows uh, in people who uh, I think that uh, the liberals are counting on their support. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that, um, uh, yeah. David Johnson's a, a fine man. I think that uh, he would be a good person to uh, to look into it. But uh, you know, there really needs to be an inquiry. This whole special rapporteur thing is just uh, you know just a, uh, it's just a way to allay criticism and just sort of uh, give the liberals some breathing room over the summer. Mm. Yeah, there's a, a recent Angus Reid poll. I'm sure that you're familiar with it. Majority of Canadians want a stronger federal response. Um, and, you know, I think most of us would say that that has to be a, a public inqu inquiry. Um, do you think Canadians will settle for anything less? Because I, I have heard from some I think who the Canadian feel, I, I have heard from some who feel that Canadians have kind of just there are some who have just checked out like, you know, it's just it's another scandal. It's another thing. And, and some feel helpless when it comes to the story, even though they realize it's huge. It, it has you know, implications for our democracy, but there are some that are just like, I, I, what do we do? Well, you know, particularly with this government, you just uh, you can't blame Canadians for being a little uh, scandal weary. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it just seems like every every other day that there's something coming up that's uh, doing that. But I, I think that uh, the majority of Canadians have already made a made their own minds up about what happened, and I don't think that uh, I think think for the uh, for the purposes of of just you know of basic. Uh, 
due diligence of public inquiry is definitely warranted. But uh, will that change people's minds? Uh, you know, if the public inquiry makes a conclusion one way or the other, I don't think it's going to change anybody's mind who's already made up their mind about what happened and what's going on. But uh, yeah, I think the inquiry needs to happen. All right. Um, in other news, uh, Major General Danny Fortin is suing the Canadian government of, quote, reprehensible, reprehensible, say that five times really quickly, uh, extreme, <laughs> flagrant, and high-handed conduct <clears throat> and seeks $5 million in general damages, $1 million in punitive damages. Uh, Fortin was acquitted of sexual assault uh, charges uh, last year. This is a big story with really big implications as well. Um, he alleges that, you know, he suffered damages due to defamation and misfeasance in public office. Um, he was removed from the government's COVID-19 vaccine rollout. Was You know, his name has been cleared of any misconduct. And, uh, and yet he feels that... Um, you know, he continues to carry a lot of the the damage that he has suffered through all of this being kind of rolled through the media. Um, do you think he'll win? And is this a part of being a, a public face? And when allegations like this happen, they will kind of be drudged out into the public square for everybody to hear and see. Yeah, yeah. The the issue of 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 sexual assault and abuse in the Canadian forces it's 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 a nightmare. It's it's a horrible situation to uh, to, to you know, for the people who who went through it uh, for for you know the eroding the trust in in, in the people who who serve our country. Yeah, he yeah you know uh, Fortin got kind of done dirty. It was uh, you know he was he was uh, he was charged but acquitted. Um, you know, he's a, he's, he's, he's definitely a big deal. You know, he's, he's, um, you know, he's a, he's a huge, uh, presence of the thing. He was, uh, the deputy commander of I-Corps, um, uh, the United States army. He was, uh, you know, his, his resume is, is, is long and it's, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely, uh, entitled to be a bit chagrined that he was dragged through this needlessly. But, uh, it, uh, you know, I think the most interesting part of it is how, uh, he's, he's alleging that, uh, since he was cleared, uh, the, the brass refused to, uh, you know, to, to deal with him, to, yeah. to put him back to where he was. And, uh, and if that is the case, I think it's, it's definitely, it definitely is something there, but, uh, you know, it's uh, one of those things we'll have to see what uh, happens in the courts. All right. Another story that you wrote about in the National Post. Uh, again, we're, we're talking to Brian Pesfume from the National Post today. Uh, Sarah Jama, the NDP candidate that ran to replace Andrea Horvath in a by-election in Hamilton Center, won the seat of Hamilton Center this past week. And you wrote an article condemning comments she had made at a rally that some say demonized uh, the Jewish state. She has apologized. You know, this reminded me, uh, Brian, of Stephen Lecce. Last year, I had to apologize after a report emerged that he had participated in a fraternity house slave auction when he was in university. Um, you know, I think of the three conservative MPs and a picture with Christine Anderson, uh, the German politician. Either way, JAMA won. But how do we address this reoccurring issue of the power of words and actions when it comes to our elected officials and again, you know, the perception this has had that any of their comments can have with such a diverse country and community that we have. I mean, I just feel like we keep having these conversations again and again and again about, you know, being aware of your words, being aware of the platform that you stand on 
and the offense that you can set off in what you say and do. Yeah, it's in particularly when it comes to issues like anti-Semitism, it's it's something that um, is something that the Ontario NDP has had issues with before. There was uh, Joel Harden, the uh, the the Ottawa Centre MPP, uh, NDP NDP um, NDP MPP. It's too many too many right? acronyms. Yeah, and... <laughs> so early on a Sunday morning. I know <laughs> the New Democratic Party. Member of provincial parliament. There you go. <laughs> Enough of the acronyms. We should just get rid of them. Uh, yeah, he he, he got uh, called onto the carpet for uh, you know for for appearing on a podcast uh, a little while ago where he was uh, you know saying enough is enough with uh, Israel, which uh, which is fine. There, there, you know, it's it's definitely possible to criticize uh, you know Israel without uh, being anti-Semitic. But uh, you know, in Harden's case, he he just kind of went st- went a step further, and uh, you know, and 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 said that he questions his Jewish neighbors about how long the rest of the world has to deal with that. And that, that, that's, that's definitely wrong. It's, it's, that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, it's, it, it, there's always that, that there's always that fine line between, uh, you know, what crosses between legitimate, uh, you know, criticism of uh, Israeli policies and uh, being, you know, anti-Israeli or being anti-Semitic. And then that's, that's something that, uh, that, that anybody who shares those opinions, well, it's, it's a fine line they'll have to walk definitely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great that, uh, that, that's, that Sarah has, uh, you know, is, uh, is, is a tone for her, her, her comments and, uh, yeah, you know, I spoke to some people in the uh, Jewish community in uh, in Hamilton who were legitimately concerned. But uh, you know, they're uh, it's this is part of politics. It's it's part of learning. And uh, you know, when you move uh, from the the world of activism to the world of uh, you know elected uh, office, uh, there's uh, you know there, there's there's sometimes uh, you know the, the the two don't always mesh. It always uh, needs to be uh, some uh, some definitely learning on both sides to ensure that uh, you know that uh, things are taken care of without uh, you know offending the people that uh, you're representing. All right. Our time is up. Thank you so much, Brian. Really appreciate uh, your time today and getting to know you a little bit better and throwing around some of these uh, headlines from the past week. Really appreciate it.